0: Welcome to the Creative Condition Podcast, the show where I, Ben Talland, illustrator and writer, invite people from the creative industry and far beyond to share their story of creativity, both the nature and the nurture, the chaos and the calm. Creativity is a fundamental pillar of human happiness, something I'm increasingly fascinated by and it's so often misunderstood. So little by little, I hope to build an archive of valuable stories, experiences and tips to help you maximise yours. Today I'm joined by Tim Eastley, a man of many talents. Tim is an illustrator, designer and photographer and we're going to be discussing his unconventional path into the arts, why study didn't work for his personality, his graphic, bright, bold style of illustration and his wonderful indie book The Moon. As ever, the music for the show is provided by the wonderful Dirty Freud. Check him out at Dirty Freud on social media for the latest releases and news. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? who's been out in that garden did it feel good I thought it felt effing awesome to be honest I have spent so long walking around the streets without an end point buying takeaway coffees that I didn't really want and calling it a day out that I was delighted to have a few friends we literally had a couple of neighbours in the garden with the dog and my, two, my twin daughter and son running around the place Which would normally be quite stressful but I was loving it I was there with the beers and the snacks and it just felt good to have something different in the calendar so I'm keen to know what you guys have been up to Um, do put your stuff in the bin the litter rage is real who are these apes who just go out and leave piles of shit (laughs) in parks ah let's not go there I think we're all pretty pissed off about that so let's not bring the tone down be good be responsible so how are, you, how are you doing? How's your creativity? What have you been up to? I hope you are managing to stay motivated. That's been a big discussion topic on this show in general. We're going to get into it with Tim Easley a little later today when we get talking to my guest. Thank you very much for checking in with previous episodes. Alan McGee went down a storm on the previous episode. Alan was a real creative sage for me. I wouldn't say growing up because I think when you're growing up, you don't necessarily know who the managers behind the band are. Alan famously discovered Oasis in nineteen ninety three and took them onto worldwide, incredible fame and fortune, selling over sixty five million records. But what really endears people to, sorry, endears Alan McGee to people, is his just his rampant raw style of. Entrepreneurship? Is that a word? <laughs> anyway. He knows his music and he signed the likes of Primal Scream and the Jesus and Mary Chain, My Bloody Valentine, Teenage Fan Club and Famously Oasis. And he was a real creative dynamo at that time continues to be to this day uh, admittedly a little bit more relaxed now in terms of the signing bands and he just does it kind of for enjoyment and manages Happy Mondays but his story was a fascinating one it was very raw he talked about the domestic violence going on at home at the hands of his father but how that strengthened him for the music game in London and, and kind of enabled him even though he would never choose these things to deal with any other adversity because the volume was turned down so it's a, it was a deep chat it was a fascinating chat into what he describes as bonkers brave fuck you creativity so thank you for the feedback on that one thank you for listening to the jesse mcguire episode thought matter doing some really important activism work just now over in New York and of course Ben Ryan, the former England rugby sevens coach and the man who won Olympic gold at the 2016 Rio Olympic Games with Fiji, the nation's first Olympic medal of any kind I believe, certainly their first gold. So after this episode we'll talk about this later but we're going to have to take a short break uh, while I get together the next pod of four, that's that's the plan moving forward, instead of being so sporadic and just throwing them out willy-nilly every now and again with no real warning. I'm going to be doing them in batches of four so we can kind of hit them once every two weeks, little break, another four podcasts. That's the idea. Keen for your feedback on that. So, Illustration X, the founding sponsor and keen supporter of this show, they're giving us an industry tip every episode. Give us your feedback on that. I'm keen to know whether you're enjoying these, whether you're finding them useful. I, I certainly am. They come, you know, these guys are working on the front line dealing with countless inquiries day in day out and they're coming back with their findings whether it's a trend, a pattern, something that's lacking, something that's wanted and it's really valuable stuff. So today we're going to talk about the basics and when I talk about basics, I'm talking about manners and etiquette and professionalism because it's something we had a chat about not too long back and I wanted to highlight this on one of these industry tip sections so you know, I think Illustration X have outposts in America, France, Germany, China, Australia. I'm not sure if they're in Japan, Uh, they they, they really are a global agency. So you can imagine the sheer volume of inquiries and conversations with clients that they're having. That's everything from a big global campaign or a rebrand right through to individual personal commissions. I've done things before where it's just been a client who wanted a portrait of a loved one, for example as a one-off thing and they've done that, but whatever the enquiry, whatever the piece of business that these guys have to do on a daily basis, it's vitally important that they are first and foremost professional, articulate and just use manners. And I say this because I've had countless instances where a student, for example, be that GCSE level, be it foundation level or university undergraduate or graduates. And you wouldn't believe the amount of times that someone has just gone, I'm hoping you can help me with my dissertation. No address, no hello Ben, no how are you doing. Let's be clear here, nobody's looking for questions about the kids, right? Or about how things are going in you know, the mental health department, for example. We're not asking anyone to make good friends here. But what I'm finding, and Illustration X have, have seen from time to time, is the abandonment of of just basics you know using a person's name asking how their day is going Um, a little space between blocks of text I don't know whether this is something because people are, are writing emails on mobiles more whether it's because they're zipping between social media messaging and emailing which I guess there's a disparity between the two you know in terms of if you're going to drop someone a little Instagram message, I guess we're used to doing that with people we already have an existing relationship with. So, you know, I'll, I'll do it on WhatsApp. I'll do it on Instagram. I'll, I will just shoot someone a message. In fact, I did it before I recorded this, I messaged him and just said, am I cool to use the profile for photograph that you're using around the web? You know, I was in a rush and, and, but the thing is we've, we've had a full conversation, we know about each other where you know, where we've got a professional relationship now and it's it's, so we didn't need the formalities. But I think when you're approaching someone new or it's a business relationship, it's really important just to take the time to say hello, however you feel more comfortable, you know, and get the spaces between the paragraphs. Cause like I said, because more people I think are working on phones, I just get these blocks of texts off students. And when you're a busy person, it can be the, the minute difference between Establishing a brand new, valuable, fruitful, and fun relationship, or even a piece of work, or even an ongoing client, and just nothing and being left out in the cold. So there was an example. And I've got a feeling I've mentioned this on the show before, but I can't recall where a student just literally did that. It was, I like it if you could help me with my project straight in like that. And for about a week, I didn't reply. I thought, Do you know what? I've never not replied to a student, and at this stage, I may have dropped the ball since I I can't even remember I have a feeling there's somebody I didn't reply to if that's the case and you're listening remind me (laughs) sorry and what I did do a week later I felt really guilty and I went back to him and I said look I'm this is a little late I wasn't going to reply here are the reasons why please don't take this as me being a dick I'm really trying to help you in your future now because if you address this now there's no harm done and you will be fine. But if you don't address this now, and you keep on sending kind of these haphazard blocks of text around, very quickly, no matter how good you are, and just for the record, the guy was very, very good. I mean, exceptional for his level. No one's going to pay any attention because we're all busy and we've all got a lot on our plate. So the least you can do is make someone feel professional and respected. And I just think it's it's a timeless basic. So that's that's the the tip for this episode. It doesn't matter whether you're a freelance illustrator or a global agency, whatever it is, get the basics, get the house in order, and you will go a lot further. So that's the tip. Check them out, illustrationx.com, wonderful illustration and animation agency doing great work right across the industry. Also supported by the Brilliant Association of Illustrators, and the World Illustration Awards 2021 is going to be coming up pretty soon we'll get more into those awards because Tim my guest today is a winner of one but check those guys out doing great work supporting the illustration industry over at the AOI.com. so Tim Easley Tim is a man of many talents so he's been on my radar for a few years now um We have, you know, you know how these things go when you spend any time on Twitter, you develop these kind of acquaintances who are there, who you might reply to the odd tweet, you share their stuff, you like their work and and what they're about, and you're in the same industry. So you have these kind of peripheral group of faces who gravitate around your world. And when someone names their name, you go, oh, I know them. And every now and again, you might meet one of them. That's what I love about like the World Illustration Awards or any kind of networking event, is that you actually get to put a face to the name with these people. And it's a great feeling. So Tim was one of those people, and he won the World Illustration Awards Design Category in 2019 for his wonderful Modified Man, intricate, painstakingly detailed plasticine model artwork, and it's a wonderful album cover it's a very deserving piece of work for that award so since then I've kind of wanted to know Tim's story and he did actually tweet saying you know he likes to hear podcasts where someone's got an unconventional background as in maybe they didn't go to college university they didn't go along the well-trodden path because that's exactly what Tim's story is so we are going to talk in depth about that story because I think you're going to take a lot from this one today I think certainly anyone who's considering study and might feel it you know that they're I wonder if there's an alternative or that it might not be for them. We'll get a lot from this show, as will anyone who's got a similar story to Tim in, in the sense that they maybe they didn't do that. Um, it's a great one. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Tim's distinct, bold, bright, graphic, heavy-lined style. And it's very iconic. It's great. And we're also going to talk about how, until lockdown, Tim didn't realize that he actually had... A large percentage of his work in a certain sector, which gave him some problems. So we're going to get into that also. It's a good story. We're going to talk about Tim's, the moon book. I mentioned it at the top of the show. Um, it's brilliant. It's moon photography and it's facts about the moon. Who wouldn't want a copy of that? It's beautifully designed. Um, Tim's going to tell you better than I ever could about that during this conversation. So that's good too. So I think you're going to enjoy this. Um, as I mentioned. After this, it's going to take a little break for a while. Not for a while, it'll only be a couple of weeks while I get some more pods in the bag and do another set of four. That is the idea. Uh, looking for your feedback as ever at Ben Talon or at Ben Talon Pod on social media. Tag them both if you want to make sure they get seen. Looking for guest suggestions, show submissions, um, and just any feedback, any ways to improve, anything you like, anything you don't like. It's all good stuff. So give us a shout. Without further ado, here is my chat with illustrator, photographer and designer, Tim Eastley.
1: Um, yeah, kind of weird, mm. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, like, I guess I didn't quite, quite like figure out what, like I, I kind of knew what failed my work as a mostly, but I guess like when lockdown happened, it all fucking disappeared. Um, because I guess like I'm doing, uh, like I know now that my, most of my work is like retail stuff mm. or like all like retail related like so yeah it kind of all disappeared at the start of lockdown and i got a little bit of, i got a little bit of weird like lockdown work from Foot Locker, which was doing like a lot of stuff for their stores which was kind of supposed to be temporary mm. um obviously that like lasted a bit longer than i thought it was going to last but yeah like works kind of coming back a little bit more now
0: okay yeah there's a sense yeah. I, I don't know i suppose if we get into spring there's a sense that We'll see, we'll see some stuff, you know, comebacks. And I guess that's going to be one of the th- first things, isn't it? Shops because well, yeah, I suppose we have to, but yeah, yeah. God, I mean, if, well, what a bizarre, bizarre time for everybody. And, and like you, <laughs> like you alluded to there. I mean, we, we, I mean, if you're cool with it, we'll just carry on and I'll find a good start point to go back and edit, yeah. always, it's the best way. When I started doing this podcast, it was like, you'd have a really nice flowing conversation and then I'd stop and go. Right, so we'll start the show, and you see people show, and then
1: they're like, "Shit, know what to say."
0: Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting there that you said that it's almost like you didn't quite realise yourself because you don't. Why would you? It's like you don't stop. Yeah. Saying, well, that's going to be a jeopardised sector because it wasn't. It was actually pretty good.
1: Yeah, and I also didn't really even kind of realise that was my sector because mm. obviously, like, I do like you do a load of different work as well, right? but. I didn't realize that was like kind of the majority of my stuff was like retail kind of advertising and I guess stuff related to retail. Um, yeah. I guess like if all the shops are closed, they don't need like ads to advertise anything or like um, at the start of lockdown, it was kind of slightly positive because all like the shops couldn't use models. So it was kind of, it was kind of, and that was the same with magazines and stuff was kind of, they were like, Oh, we're going to use more illustration now. Mm. But yeah, um, yeah, then when the shops stayed closed, they didn't actually need anything inside the shops. So that didn't quite work out exactly yeah. like I thought it was going to. I thought I was going to have like, like a load of extra work then, but yeah, it kind of went the opposite direction.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people who've, who've had similar stories, as in they've had this kind of realisation, and it's how you, re- I'm sure we'll get into that, and but it's how you kind of respond in it. And, um, you know, because it's, a, it's out of the blue. So it's not like you've kind of, you know being fortifying in any way because why would you so
1: yeah exactly <laughs> yeah you, yeah i like i don't think anyone was thinking like oh i need to make sure i've got other avenues of kind of income in case we're not allowed to do anything for a year
0: yeah
1: um, yeah that, that was a little bit <laughs> weird like like it, like i told you earlier like when um, when lockdown started i decided like, to go with my girlfriends and kind of like because they they were like oh you can't go outside for a while so i thought well all right I'll, i'd rather be out my girlfriends then be by myself and then um yeah and I, I just took enough clothes for like a week i thought like it'll be like it'll, be, it'll shut down for a week nobody will go out everything will disappear and then um obviously didn't really work out like that did it yeah
0: the, the old flat and the curve narrative oh, yeah if only
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it was weird yeah i guess it was like putting a ping pong ball on top of like mount everest or something and going, "Oh, that that'll work won't it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> So, what's your background, Tim? Where are you from? Um, I'm from South London. That's where that's where I am now. Mm. Um, I don't know if I have like a background background in particular. I don't have like a. I didn't I didn't like decide to go into this kind of thing when I was a kid or anything. Mm. Um, but what was family like? You know, I, I when I say background, I mean
0: I, I love to dive into those very very early like days and you know what was the family yeah. like. What, 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 any really early indications that you might be. An artistically inclined person, I guess.
1: Um, very slightly. I mean, like one of my older brothers draws a load. Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't like. I, I drew. I drew as a kid, like kids draw. Yeah. Um, I was kind of interested in that stuff, but I was also interested in like computers and other crap like that, other like nerdy stuff. Um, yeah, I didn't really. I, yeah, I didn't really have like a big inclination that I wanted to do anything like this. Mm-hmm. Um. I didn't really until like ten years ago, anyway. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't really have like a proper background in anything. I didn't, I didn't do like a load of artwork and then like doodle all the time at school and then go to college and union and all that kind of thing. I kind of zigzagged around the place.
0: Yeah, it's no, nice. it's it's, it's um, it comes up time and time again. But you know, no, anything you're doing at that age, it's not, it's not a conscious decision, is it? Because you don't, you do it very. Yeah innocently and naively because you don't think about careers and stuff. That's just something that your parents do. It's not, you know, so why would you? It's almost like you just do it because that's how you like to pass the time. So, you know, it's. Yeah. Even with, I mean, even at 14, I didn't have a clue. I don't know about you, but I got to 14 and, you know, you get asked to choose your GCSEs and it's like, well, I don't <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I didn't know what the hell I wanted. All, all I knew was that I didn't want to do PE for GCSE and um, that that was pretty much it. I wasn't I wasn't really bothered. Yeah, I mean I, I yeah, I dropped um I didn't do any languages in GCSEs. I dropped those, wasn't really interested in those. Um don't even know what I was doing. Oh yeah, I did um I took up one of my teachers, my history teacher was doing like an archaeology class, which was an after school class, and it was an all boys' school. And they that was the only class where they were inviting the girls' school down the road. Yeah. And I mean, I was never gonna get <laughs> With any of the girls, I was like a nerdy kid, but like, <laughs> I was like, yep, yeah, I'll do that. I'll drop French and German and I'll do archaeology after school, and that's where I'll meet my future <laughs> girlfriend. <laughs> <Well>, it <laughs> really worked out like that, but.
0: it's funny, isn't it? The amount of decisions you make around that age based on the possibility there might be you know yep. <laughs> boys there whatever you're interested in it's just it's quite uh ridiculous really
1: <laughs> yeah I, yeah I mean I, I had no particular interest in that I mean we got a load of field trips from that which was nice like going out but like, like yeah I mean I was n- I was never going to meet any girls through
0: that no, <laughs> yeah. no I was the opposite I, I I knew I wanted to do PE and that was about it it's like I didn't you know uh... <laughs> school art was very much school art in the greatest form it was fruit balls and not a lot else. And I didn't particularly get on with the teacher. And so it was just, you know, everything else. Well, I tell her like English. I liked English because i always loved storytelling. Um yeah. well, that's, you know, same I guess same as anyone else. It's just it's stumbling until you hope that you're fortunate enough to meet someone who kind of goes, Maybe you should look at that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that definitely didn't happen to me like until way, way later. Um yeah, like my my art class was really weird at school. Um I don't remember doing a lot of stuff. There was a lot of like charcoal, cheap charcoal and um, big pots of paint and um, survival classes. I remember our teacher taking us, there was like a young offenders place behind our school and like a little kind of wood, mm. which was which was weird. And I remember him taking us into the woods to like grab bits of wood and then letting us carve them into like knives and forks and things. <laughs> I don't really know what that was about, but yeah, we didn't do a lot of, uh, I don't remember any kind of, actual teaching to do with art it was just more like big pieces of paper some charcoal piss off and do some stuff and (laughs) yeah no
0: it's it's funny because on one hand there's something nice about that and I I come across a lot of stories of people who had like a rogue teacher or just somebody who fancied doing something more interesting the curriculum and had the freedom to do it whereas I don't think you can quite get away with it anymore, and I think that's good and bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was quite it was quite a bad school, like quite low, in the what do you call them, like the school ranking, rating things, whatever. Um so yes, yeah, so I don't think they really cared what any of the teachers were doing or what the students were doing. So we just yeah, I don't, I don't think he had any kind of curriculum. Yeah. Um, so we just did whatever. Um, we did <laughs> it was a it was a weird school. It was like a technical high school, like a really really old when we're like leaking roofs and shit like built in you know, like early 1900s or something um so we had a we had a lot of kind of techy, I don't know what well, old school tech classes not like what you would call tech classes now mm-hmm. but um like technical drawing and um woodworking and things like that um yeah I quite like those I like the technical drawing classes that that was a lot more interesting than the actual art classes we got taught stuff in that but yeah, we didn't have much else besides that, I don't think.
0: Yeah, maybe we were a similar era, because I remember the same thing, you know, like glue. I remember some kid they're, they're shooting a glue gun on his hands to see if it hurt. <laughs> and, <it did. laughs> and just the power. Yeah, that, that sort I of know. thing.
1: Like, yeah, they, they had a lot of machines with drills on and things like that that, I, that I'm sure wasn't really safe for us to be using. You could um, almost
0: yeah, write a full... Just drill
1: holes in things, and that was it.
0: Yeah, you could, almost, you could almost write a full book on on just Bunsen burners and vices in that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the chaos that would cause. <laughs> uh-huh. So, the, the, well, it sounds like you took a longer road, I guess, than you know, than the than the than the well trodden path of college and uni and everything else. Um, yeah, you know, I was looking through your book last night, which is wonderful, by the way, and we'll get onto that. But I was interested in the kind of the opening statement where you talked about potentially going on to study astrophysics. That's quite an interesting.
1: Yeah, what well, I mean I was like a nerdy kid. I like I liked like maths and we I mean our science class was terrible. Like the maths class was all right. Like I liked maths and computers and stuff like that and then um I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I left school and I was just going to leave until some what representatives from colleges came into the school and I guess they were kind of looking to fill the last places in the college with like the dregs of people from high school. <laughs> so they were just coming in, trying to kind of recruit extra people and they were like, Oh, why don't you come to our college? I was like, all right, why not? And I know like what you're interested in. Oh, computers. Oh, okay. Well you should do maths if you do computers. I was like, all right. If you're doing maths and computers, you should do physics. All right, <laughs> that <was about> it. <laughs> So yeah, like, that's what I went to college and did like maths, double maths, um, physics and computers. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of, while I was there, I was kind of like, oh, that would be an interesting kind of job to do, like work on like space stuff. But um, yeah, it didn't really work out. We didn't do, We had, we had like a really, really old science class and our science teacher used to just give us all the answers before the tests. So like nobody learned anything in the class. So when I went to college, I went to like the physics class and I was like, I've got no idea what any of this stuff is. (laughs) And I was like, and obviously I had to sit at home like loads, like reading through books and stuff, trying to figure out what the hell I was supposed to know already to Uh to do a physics class. Uh, Yeah. So that didn't really work out too well. Didn't become an astronaut or astrophysicist or anything.
0: (laughs) Is it? You know what I love though? It's, uh, It's interesting that, you know, you find ways to weave this into your creative practice It's you know I was never even average at football, but I went all the way to sixteen believing I could play for Leeds United in some (laughs) corner of my brain before finally going. Did that other thing you're good at drawing? Maybe it's time to start doing that. So I just yeah, I was like a kid in the corner of a of a year group where I knew nobody, doing art GCSE so I could get to college. Uh having you know having been shot to shit knowing that I was not good at football <laughs> but you know I did a lot of sports work clients and it was my way into the industry so it's quite weird how these things do come yeah. back around
1: yeah it's good like yeah obviously like your interests kind of influence things like it's only into, it's only like recently um that I've kind of started thinking about that a bit more like what my actual influences are and kind of linking them together a little bit um mm. uh, it, yeah, it's weird to figure out that like stuff you're kind of into when you're like 10 it's mm. kind of stuff that's influencing you a lot now. Like I like, I like bright colors or like, like sparkly things. I just remember at school really liking those sort of like lenticular rulers and shit. And I could add load of Care Bear stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, I basically <laughs> add like the, the, the kind of all the stuff that like a five-year-old girl would like to have mm. in school when I was in high school. Uh, and I, I guess that's kind of, sort of the same sort of stuff I'm into now, but I do not I didn't really link the two things.
0: I don't think and many us recently, do. know. Yeah. I, I think it takes a lot of experience to arrive at that point, and I, I don't know why that is. But maybe it's got something to do with uh, when you think about it. I don't know about you, but I look. I mean, I don't know how old you are. I'm I'm about to turn thirty eight, and I look. I'm, back I'm a little I,
1: bit older than that. <laughs> yeah,
0: I look back, and I, I just I the way I thought. You know, we mentioned there, like in GCC 14, 15, But the way I thought, even in my early twenties, was closer to my childhood thinking than. The way I thought when I was 30, for example, I only felt yeah. like it was around 30 that I actually got around a, a sense of, of what my natural character was and who I was, and suddenly began to join those dots of looking back at the very formative things that we do for love as a kid and go, well, they've never really changed. You know, Even it might have been He-Man and Spider-Man back then, and I still have my yeah. things. But actually, you start to look at the fundamentals of why you like those things, whether it was the colours, the designs, and everything else. Yeah, and yeah. it makes a little more sense. But it, I think this is the reason that I talk to so many people who kind of get these epiphanies much later in their life, because it just, yeah. it, it takes life experience to join them.
1: Yeah, it definitely does. Like, like, like I mentioned, care Like, I'm not into care now. <laughs> I don't have, like, a load of Care Bear stuff there. But if I if I look at it, I can, I can see it and think of, like, the kind of shapes of stuff and, like, colours and kind of maybe, like, the kind of, um, like, the feeling, just the general feeling of things. And, yeah, like, I guess, like, when you're, when you're in your 20s, you don't really want to think that you maybe like the same stuff as back then, or, or even when you get a bit older, you get into 30s and stuff, you're like, oh, man, there's no, there's no way, like, stuff that I did when I was five is the stuff that's influencing my professional work that I'm doing now. And you get like a little bit older and you're like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. Like, I don't, I don't really mind now. It's like long enough ago <laughs> so I don't really care about it. Um, yeah, but like, yeah, it definitely takes like a lot of experience. You start you start doing work and stuff and it kind of, things kind of hit you slowly that you're doing the same stuff you're into when you are like a kid. And yeah, like you say, like you, you might not actually be into Spider-Man so much now, but like, you you still like the colors and, and like the feeling mm-hmm. that it did and yeah i think yeah.
0: and just storytelling you know it's the reason i've been writing has become a way bigger thing now in my practice it's because I, it took me 12 years of being an illustrator to realize that I, I i mean i adore illustration and it's and it's what makes me a living but yeah th- there's only so much i can do in terms of storytelling within that practice you Know a shot of going and doing a graphic novel or working on the film and that those things for those things to happen, that's you know, there's a lot that has to go on. Whereas yeah. writing has opened this, up this whole new thing. And I had I had a musician on the show recently called George Moyer, and he animates all his own music videos. You know, he told me he spent 800, oh, yeah yeah eight hundred hours um on animation <laughs> for one EP and the origin of that was his love of lego as a kid he used to like borrow the family digital camera and make these crudely put together stop-motion videos of the lego yeah. things and again it's you know you just it's what's around you isn't it and and what's interesting and you don't you, it's almost good not to know why you're doing it because you do it pure you know more purely than whereas as adults yeah. we like to kind of analyze overanalyze almost and and how's that going to pay the bills and how's that going to make me money in the long run and you know that's logical yeah but, and can be damaging too
1: yeah yeah i mean it's only recently that i've kind of started thinking about that sort of stuff like um well obviously i sent you my my book that i've just done and i did another book in like 2019 and i quite enjoyed writing stuff in that and um, yeah like you you can kind of, it takes a while for you to think like oh i can just kind of do things that i enjoy as well as doing things that are for money and mm-hmm. um, you might before like think that i like, i kind of like writing but then like how how can i get that into my illustration practice how can i like sell that to clients and maybe you don't really need to do that and you kind of just you end up just kind of doing it because it's interesting mm. and then you may you end up making stuff that you're kind of passionate about and that's sort. i guess that sort of shines through and brings things in through like, other avenues anyway Um, like I'm sure with your book, I'm sure like people have like bought it and read it and gone like, oh, that's really interesting. I'm going to check this guy's website out. And then they check your illustration work and it like probably leads to commissions and stuff anyway. So it's just, it's just nice to kind of be able to relax and go like, oh, I'm into this thing. I'm just going to try it out a little bit and do it and see what happens with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and sooner or later you find that these things feed one another too. You know, you get like, like you said there. You know, I, I love this. Ju- you know, I love the way on the inside cover of the Moon Book the, the little, lovely little illustrations. It just sits so lovely with the type. And then you've got this photography skill, and then suddenly you're writing, and the book's a lovely medium to bring all these things together.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's what I wanted to do. That I kind of just yeah, like I take a load of photos anyway, and <laughs> I don't really do anything with them. Um, so it's nice to kind of make a book but then like like say like i just thought like there's blank pages i'll just draw some crap in there as well and see what happens Mm. and yeah i think it just it kind of it allows things sort of it just allows things to kind of develop in a different way like um i guess there's not that many kind of moon books that that have doodles and stuff in them Mm. um yeah it's just it's just interesting to be like add things together that you enjoy doing, like like you do with your book, like you've, you've written stuff in there, but obviously you're, you're able to like illustrate things in there and you can bring, yeah, just bring whatever you want into it. It's just, it's nice to be out and mix things up.
0: Yeah. And once, I, I don't know if you've found this, but once these things are out in the world, it's fascinating what people see in it with a fresh eye too. So, you know, once it's a thing and it's alive yeah. and it's out there, you, the you, doors open, you know, just you don't have to overthink it or plan it. Sometimes opportunities just arise from something you've done out of love
1: yeah yeah it's kind of weird like um like I, I did a vending machine book um uh, tw- I, I, don't, I don't remember when years are now because we've been locked down for so long um <laughs> 20 2019 I think it was I did that and like I I didn't realize it was going to be so popular with like the gaming people like because I guess they're they're like loads of them are into Japanese stuff and um so there's loads of them that got it so I'm now, I'm now kind of in touch with more people in kind of the gaming side of things um although that's not like a big thing i'm into kind of doing work for it, kind of like yeah it kind of opens up different avenues and there's like i i never would have thought where that would have been like one of the big like niches for people buying the book um i was yeah i was just kind of targeting on people that sort of enjoyed going holiday in japan or something uh yeah it's, it's interesting that
0: it is actually and, it, and it's not t- it's not always so easy to work out who those people are that's one of the stumbling blocks i've found with this book is that it, it could potentially be be, you know enjoyed by a lot of people it's not mainstream by any stretch but it's this is what I'm trying I'm trying to crack the indie market as we speak the indie publishing market and I've just signed up for Mark Dawson's um, and for author's course who's like a very successful indie author and he's kind of distilled Mm -hmm. everything he's learned over the years about Facebook advertising Amazon advertising and all the other platforms into this course which I've just you know i'm not spending my money on much else during lockdown so <laughs> i get that but it's he talks about how the no matter how niche the book there is always a, a big market out there that you don't yet know about and it sounds like you've hit up on the golden one there so who's to say that you don't form this you know a totally unexpected cult following in the gaming world it?
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of weird um yes yeah, night i guess that's the thing that kind of a publisher can do if you manage to get one is like they'll they'll kind of know where the hell you belong um like say so you just kind of do the work because you're interested in it and then put it out there and see what happens and um yes yeah, it's, it's it's so it's just so weird like not being able to figure out who the hell you're actually targeting things at, making something and just going i don't really know who this is for <laughs> but maybe yeah. we'll find out later yeah
0: and i mean so how many books have you got now is it, is it just the two at the moment
1: um i did a coloring book years ago and then i did the vending machine book and then the moon book mm. um I want to do loads more, but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard to get them. Like it's quite a kind of block to kind of get everything out of your head into a book. Yeah, as you know, it's kind it feel it feels a lot bigger until you start doing it, Mm -hmm. and then it feels bigger than it did before. And then you kind of get halfway through, and you're like, oh, it's actually not too bad. Like setting up all the documents and collating all the stuff, and like it's just Mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's a really long process.
0: Quite a daunting Um, cycle, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to do like, I'd love to do like two or three more this year. I've got the time. It's just like, it's just hard to get things out of your brain onto paper.
0: Yeah. Well, they say, don't they, that there's no better way to sell um, your book than with a new book. You know, it's like people, I imagine people are finding the moon now and kind of going, oh shit, he's got a couple of other books out there. Awesome. You know, which I do all the time, go back and buy other people's back catalogs.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that definitely happens, um, especially when it's sold out and you then you get people emailing you about it. And then you're like, oh shit, maybe I should print a few more there.
0: <laughs> so the vending machine book, that was, um, was was that something you would just, it, it was it Tokyo? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So tell us about the, how did, you know, what was the seed of that idea? Or was it just something you did when you were out there?
1: Um, oh man, I've, I've been, I've been at Tokyo like loads and loads of times from like the late 90s onwards. And um, yeah, it's just always like the vending machines. Uh, I, don't, I don't like going at shops to buy things anyway um so it's nice because uh, uh, you can't really do vending machines here because people just break into them and stuff but in japan they're just like everywhere and it's just it was really nice because I, I went there in the summer the first time it was just, like boiling hot like four, i think it got up to like 45 degrees so like really really bad and it's just nice being able to like put your money in the vending machine every five minutes um yeah it's just something I, I use them every time i went back to japan and then mm-hmm. um, my girlfriend had never been there so we decided to go there in 2019 2019 20 I don't know 20 yeah, maybe, I think 2019 and um, yeah so I, I, thought, I thought I'd do like a project while I was there so I picked vending machines because I kind of they're quite I like I like the fact that they're kind of a, like a weird nerdy subject mm. to get on to and there's loads of them around everywhere so it was just a case of like carrying my camera taking a load of pictures and then yeah figuring it all out afterwards
0: it's um the the i i mean i fell in love with japan and i am I'm, I'm selfishly you know parenthood and covid have kind of overlapped which i wouldn't have been doing much in yeah. So it's kind of like okay, you know, I can kind of suck this up as part of what's going on, but I'm desperate to get back out there and, and explore more and just go and write in strange corners of the place. And I, but one yeah. of the things I took away was just the cacophony of sounds, whether it was on train station platforms and the you know the jingles for everything and and
1: oh yeah, I, I love the jingles on trains.
0: <laughs> they're incredible, aren't they? And and also all but just all the amount of characters, whether it's for you know the mascot for the train service or. Uh everything is a kind of illustrated character so you know and then there's a lot of those it seems on the on the vending machines as well
1: oh there's so many yeah but um because a lot of the vending machines i guess are kind of owned by companies that have them there um like there was one we went to oh god i can't even remember the company name it was one of these massive japanese companies but their headquarters had these like gigantic stairs going up like but it took us like five, 10 minutes to walk up the stairs, like just some, like a massive, like weird concrete palace thing. And then halfway up there, there was like a bright yellow vending machine with like some weird character. And it's just, it's, it's so strange. Just going up stairs to this weird kind of corporate place where everyone's in mad suits and just, <laughs> this like really, really regimented and halfway up there's some weird zany character. <laughs> and it's the same in like every single company as some, Employee has to put on like a weird suit and <laughs> jump out. Unlike like whatever that company day is, and it's just it's just yes yeah, a weird a weird thing to experience.
0: It's such a juxtaposition, isn't it? Because like you say, there's a yeah. real work, there's a real work ethic and, and onus on professionalism and and you know and etiquette. And then you know you turn a corner and there's just crazy psychedelic characters and, and madness going yeah. on. We love that about Japan.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, it, it's it's quite weird. <laughs> yeah, because I, I guess here, like, if you have a mascot, you generally got like staff who don't give a crap, and you know, it's just they're like you don't, you don't get mascots for like really serious companies here. They're they're just for like really silly companies, and then they they sort of match up well. But there, it's just the opposite. I don't even know. I don't even know if they like do anything. They just every company just. I think it's just like a habit now. Like every company has to have a mascot, otherwise you're not a proper company. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, how did you, you know, when you made the decision to turn this into a book, did you? Was it very much kind of learning on the job in terms of producing a book and getting it out there?
1: Um, yeah. I, I mean, I did the um, the coloring book work a couple of years before, but that was just me drawing a load of A4 things, scanning them in as JPEGs, and then uploading them to the website to like print the book. Um, this one, I just I just got on YouTube and looked up how to use InDesign and like watch some videos for like a couple of days and then yeah set up some stuff and made a book i mean it's quite it's quite like simply designed i haven't i haven't like done like some crazy layout or anything like it, but yeah, yeah I, that's the process and then like export it upload it print yeah. it, it take some pictures yeah
0: i mean with everything we just talked about it doesn't need to be does it i mean the, everything's within those years it doesn't need to be complex
1: yeah well that's what i thought like i thought like the pictures are quite interesting so like i didn't i don't really need to do anything crazy with the book um and also i, I couldn't really be bothered i guess to yeah. do that sort of thing with that uh, i probably will later on like in, in a few years like get into a bit more kind of making something a bit more interesting inside a book but i, I think like the stuff that i want to do at the moment is just more like visuals inside mm. a thing that you can open and look through um yes i'm not i'm not hugely bothered about like some crazy designs for things
0: mm. well I mean, we'll get on some moving things shortly but I, I guess i got ahead of myself but what i'm so so what were the seeds then of, of thinking okay you know i, I want to be an illustrator or i can do this for a living and, and also your style which is fantastic by the way thanks <laughs>
1: um oh man yeah i mean i was doing like various weird jobs and stuff um i had kind of been doing sort of a bit of design and slight tiny bit of illustration while I was doing other things. And um, I had no work for a while. I couldn't find a job Um, I was trying to get design jobs. But like back then, whatever the hell that was, um, everyone wanted qualifications, don't have any design qualifications, didn't have any experience in like a design company. So um, it was really hard to get any work. So I was just like, okay, I'm gonna go self-employed. And I thought, like, what can I do for that? So I thought, like, I'll do design and illustration, self-employed. And that was about it. Um, Yeah, just started off really slow. Um, Didn't get much work, didn't get paid too much. But, yeah, sort of built it up slowly, I guess.
0: Mm. Did that come with, um, did that come, did you sort of, what was the pressure aspect like there? You know, I guess it comes with its own rewards to a degree. If things are a little slow, did you did you use that time mm. to kind of explore and, and build a style that you actually gave a shit about?
1: <laughs> yeah, sort of. Like I, I had, I guess, like when I decided to kind of go into this sort of stuff, I had like two options, which was kind of stay at home and just do a load of stuff or try to get into uni. I did actually apply for um an art foundation in, in a to kind of go on. I don't even know what I wanted to do. I kind of maybe illustration maybe like product design or something but then it kind of it looked like that was going to be like three or four years and I was like well I could probably like I'm not going to earn any money while I'm going to university I'm just going to like rack up debts and stuff so I thought like I can probably just do that at home for three or four years and kind of learn the same kind of stuff so and earn like a little bit of money and like build it up and stuff so yeah that's what I decided to do.
0: That's good. It's good. What, I mean, what part of you as a character was able to kind of, you know, I mean, I mean, find the drive to do that because some people really need that kind of, you know, the, the structure of a, of a formal course. So I find it interesting that um, that you were able to 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 actually do that, you know, and not kind of waste the time.
1: Oh, yeah, I can't do that at all. Like I, 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 learn, I learn everything by myself. Like I, I mean, I didn't learn anything at school. Like my school was, like I said, it's quite a terrible mm-hmm. school. Um, didn't learn too much there. So I've just, uh, yeah, like everything, I just look on YouTube, read things. Um, I think I go through, let, let's say they watch like 30 hours, 40, 50 hours of YouTube videos, taking like an hour of information. <laughs> it's like um, like a Teletubbies, you know, like how the Teletubbies repeat twice. Yeah. And then that's how they get the information into the kids. I just I repeat things loads and loads of times. And then the information <laughs> sort of gets stored in there somehow. I can't, I can't do like regimented learning. It's, it's really hard. I find it really hard to sit down and kind of concentrate and listen to someone. I'll fall asleep. Mm. I do the same in like movies. Um, Girlfriends always complain about that. We'd go to like IMAX or something, watch like, went to like IMAX in New York and watched the new Blade Runner film. And I fell asleep. It's like the, the loudest movie you've ever seen in your life. I just can't, I can't, I can't, take in things i have to be kind of more active doing mm. stuff so that yeah so there's not there's not a huge amount of motivation as such it's just that's the only way i can learn things is by doing them and like taking it in slowly you know it's that i mean uh, that says a lot to me about what always comes up and i'm sure my listeners are
0: sick of me going on about it but the curriculum and the education system you know i i just you know there must be so many kids who who have exactly what you've described there and yeah. just fall foul and get cast as either underachievers or lack of motivation when it's really not it's just it's everyone's brains different and we all respond to different stimulus in a different way yeah. and i think i think it's sorely lacking in terms of provisions for those people to to give them clues
1: yeah i mean school is stupid really it's it's really really stupid i mean like there's people like me in school who kind of Uh, like obviously like I like I was quite academic in school I got like real good grades and stuff but like it it was still hard to learn by like sitting at a desk and listening to people and then obviously like there was other kids in my school who could take apart like cars and stuff Mm -hmm. and I'd sit through like maths class and like what what's the point in them sitting through maths class there's there's literally no reason for it it's real school is just it caters to like probably like five percent of students really well who are like real good at sitting down and listening to stuff and taking it in yeah and exams as well like they're they're you know the same sort of thing yeah like Kate as well to people who can like read through a load of stuff in a few days remember things for like a week <laughs> and get to exams and yeah i, I agree with all that it was they're, they're just like not fit for purpose in any way yeah
0: i only found um, i only found the really real passion in anything when when i went to art college, really. And it wasn't that I'd wanted to do art all my life or anything like that, I mean, to a degree yeah. I did. But what ex- what got me going about that was suddenly I'd gone from that school setting of putting your hand up to got the toilet and, you know, and the rest of it and sitting there in your uniform with your planner and, and just all that stuff jarred with what with my makeup, I suppose. But really it was walking in and seeing that people could go out for a coffee when they wanted and people could dress how they wanted. And we are in this yeah. big old industrial warehouse that just threw up a lot of partition walls and painted everything white. And it was beautiful because you could make a mess. You could, you know, you could ask questions. You know, I remember my tutor bringing in a gorilla's CD and chucking it down on my desk and just being like, wow, <laughs> it's cool. You know, this is awesome. <laughs> and it wasn't anything to do with what I was studying. It was just the fact that you were suddenly empowered and thought, this is cool. Okay, this isn't, oh, yeah. you know, the boundaries are down almost. This is great. And I just, yeah. so, I, think so many yeah, people, I think so many people would find that, whether it's, it doesn't have to be the arts. I just think it's, I think place and empowerment are crucial.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's de- it's definitely to do with like have, having the space to be able to like kind of look. Well, I think like maybe like you and someone else being able to figure out how you enjoy learning, and what sort of things you're into, and just having the space to be able to do that and kind of support to do it. Like, like like I like I wouldn't need like if I went to uni. Like, I don't really know what it's like or anything, but if I went to uni, like I wouldn't need to be like taught a lot particularly. <laughs> It would just be more like I, like I would learn best by just being left by myself and being allowed to do things. And if I came into any trouble, kind of having someone around that knew what they were doing so be able to ask them opinions and yeah. ask them how to use things. And then obviously, like some other people would like to sit in lectures and kind of learn and stuff. And yeah, you just don't get out of school, do you? It's just one thing. You don't. That's the don't, same sort of thing since like seventeen hundreds or whatever.
0: Absolutely, it's so archaic and it baffles me. But I guess it's because people couldn't understand it and can analyze it and break it down into stats. But yeah, I know uni was that, and it, and that really got to, you know that really upset some people that there wasn't a shooter around all the time, and you know they wanted to be taught mm. everything, and I, I didn't want to say it at the time because you couldn't, but I'm kind of going this is, this is art school. That's what it is. a lot of It is self-led, find your direction. And and here are these people within this re-experience when you need to ask some questions. But I guess more more than ever now, because of the fees, people to see it more as a service and want that, you know, they want to feel like they're getting something back for their money when really it kind of goes against learning how to think creatively to, to kind of prescribe all that stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think the fees are definitely the thing that makes people want that sort of thing now. Cause I hear the same from like a lot of people, um, when I hear didn't go to university, they're like, oh man, I wish I didn't go, I didn't learn anything. And I'm like, really? Like you spent three, three years day and night drawing, <laughs> like playing around with different materials and hanging around with people doing art and stuff, and like you didn't learn anything from that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, I like obviously like some people would would benefit from kind of a bit more kind of tutorage and like going like being taught a little bit more, but like I, I feel like, yeah, a lot of people sort of don't don't really realize what they've learned from being there and like just being able to hang around and just do stuff like that. Like being able to like have your entire life evolve around kind of drawing and being creative and exploring stuff. Um yeah, like I, I never had that sort of thing. So it's it's taken me like a longer time to kind of do that sort of thing. Yeah. Um yeah I wish more people would kind of come out of union and sort of not not really realize that, but I guess like um, feel feel a lot better about that, the fact that they, they have actually achieved a lot while they've been there.
0: Yeah. Like anything else of creativity, it's just, it's hard to, uh, it's, it's hard to put it in a tangible sense where you can pass yeah. that to your parents or whoever and go, here's what I got, my money. It doesn't work like that. It's It just kind of enables you a bit more. I think that's what all it, well, it is really. And it's independence. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of other things. It's, it's funny, actually, I haven't put the, the episode out yet, but I, I interviewed Ben Ryan this week, who was the former... England rugby sevens coach and Fiji mm. and he, he had this it's just this incre- It's one of sports great stories he kind of took the Fiji job on a whim and there, was, there was no contract in place he didn't get paid for like the first year and it was, it was complete um, just amazing but he went on to a, somehow win Olympic gold with them and he, so his creative lessons within that story are incredible but I was curious about where this kind of maverick coaching style came from and it kind of opened up about his experience teaching, a, 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 I think it was a prep school. Um, anyway, the, the, the guy who ran the department, you know, gave him the PE job and he just went off watching horse racing and kind of left him to do his own thing. Um, <laughs> and that was it for two years. And he kind of built his own thing through that freedom. So I suppose that chimes with what we just talked about, you know, so it is interesting what yeah. space does for learning. But yeah, you know, some people want it on paper, don't they?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that, I mean, it does suit some people. Some people do want that kind of thing, but, but I mean, yeah. I just, yeah, just think it would be nice if you were allowed to kind of do yeah. do what you want, including being able to do academic sort of stuff and just being able to piss around for three years and not talk to a tutor in any way whatsoever. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which,
0: is, which is essentially what it sounds like you've done. You've just kind of self-initiated that, which is, I think, is admirable. Yeah. If you have someone who can do that, then that's all. I think it's brilliant. Um, would it be fair to say, I mean, I say your style, you know, you're quite broad, you, you know, your photography and your your illustrative style, you're quite, you know, you, it seems you've got a few hats going on. Um, do you feel like the work that you do, be, be it photography, be it the illustration, is, you know, it chimes well with your character, like you've hit upon the right thing for you through that self-led learning?
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. Over the years, like I've def- I definitely used to do stuff that wasn't really quite, right i guess um i get really really bored really quickly so I wasn't like i was I specifically didn't want to be like a type of illustrator to have like one style and kind of like not to put people down or anything but like one one style it looks like a, like one big expanded project mm. um cuz like, that's really really good commercially because like clients can like look at your work really quick and go like i want exactly that yeah like nice and nice and easy to kind of get get work from that um, but I, I just get so bored so easy. So just ca- I can't stick with one thing all the time. Um, that, that I think that's why that's why I've done like a wide variety of stuff. I did try to kind of lock down a few little things a little bit, but I, I, I guess I got bored of that as well.
0: Mm. <laughs> I, I, I'm um, I'm very much the same, but, um, but 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 I think looking from the outside in, I, I think your portfolio makes absolute sense. There's such a consistency throughout your illustrative style that. You can tell straight away it's a Tim easily, but but the lovely thing about it is it lives in all these different worlds. So I feel I feel like you've got a wonderful balance from the outside.
1: That that's good if that, if that works from the outside. Then that's good. Yeah, <laughs> um, like I, I've definitely like curated things like a little bit because obviously like you can't just put up like any old crap that you do all the time because clients will go at your website and say like, "What the hell is all this shit?" <laughs> but. Yeah, I feel I feel like it's kind of like as I've done like kind of different things over the years, I feel like it kind of, it has sort of come through a little bit. Like I know people talk about kind of de- developing your style, but I always yeah I feel like it's more just doing a load of crap until you've got kind of piles of stuff that look similar. Mm you know you just you just keep keep doing things and just kind of chuck them in piles of like where they they sort of match a little bit and a couple of the piles will grow a little bit more and then i think that's the (laughs) style at the end of it yeah i don't think there's like a real proper process to it it's just kind of doing loads and loads of work keep going Mm -hmm. and it'll sort of things will poke up in the end i
0: think so i think everything we've talked about today kind of Backs that up, you know. It's just you can't always see the wood for the trees, and nor should you try, because it's detrimental Mm -hmm. to development. You know, you can't if you if you're right at the start of your journey and you go, "That's what I want to be doing in ten years." It's kind of futile because there's so many twists and turns, or there should be, along the way, you know. And and you cut off opportunities then. And uh, but the truth is, when you mark, you know, when you make marks, it's coming from some place of consistency from you as a personality so it's about doing it and enjoying the process and then like you said watching which piles grow I think that's a nice way of putting it actually
1: yeah yeah I I think um but one thing one thing I want to add to that is like kind of so I I I fell into kind of the mistake slightly of kind of looking at the piles that are grown and going right I have to just do that stuff because that's the stuff that's (laughs) kind of that I'm getting paid for um and yeah I think recently I just started to kind of think about just sort of pissing about more Doing more stuff because um yeah, you get kind of a little bit stuck in things, especially when you're trying to get commercial work, you get stuck in like a couple of things, like clients will come to you saying, like, I want exactly this thing that you did for this other client, and then obviously that pile starts just growing and growing and growing. And I think it's yeah, it's kind of it's bad for any of them to be like too big. Yeah. I think it's nice as keep adding to like loads more. So I've bought I bought loads of pens and like paper and paints and stuff. I'm gonna try. I was gonna kind of start doing that in lockdown a little bit, but it's sort of lost lost my mojo a little bit, kind of going with that. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's important to like keep keep building up all the other stuff anyway underneath because like like other other piles, I think might kind of grow at different times, and mm. it's nice to keep it keep it going. Like I, I want to be the type of person who's like 90 and still has like a studio. I still kind of working and stuff and still doing things. just uh, Like I don't I don't see I don't see myself like retiring or anything. Um I don't and I don't see I don't see myself like um because people always talk about like work life balance and stuff and like I, I used to kind of subscribe to that sort of thing, like most people do. But yeah, recently I've just been sort of like I don't I don't want like a work life balance. I don't want like work, I don't want life. I just it, it, I enjoy what I'm doing. I kind of want it to sort of just be around everything all the time i want my life to be my work or work to be my life and yeah i think that's the way to be like 90 odd we're in the art and still doing things
0: that's it you're right we're in the arts at the end of the day you know it it all feeds everything else you can't yeah well that god i mean you know you're interested in the moon for example that doesn't come from you sitting there going well this is work time now i'm going to do something about the moon (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) This is just a a, a really lovely quirk of you being a human being. And I think if you, uh, yeah, don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean that you go home and work all hours, God sends. It's not about the, it's not about, we're not talking about the fundamental, you know, the technical side of things. It's just, you know, God, I mean, uh, all these interests should, you know, should come into your practice. And if you, if you separate the two, that's not, you know, it's not conducive to creativity.
1: Yeah, I think that's the key to it. Like just bring in everything that you're interested in. Aaron like like I've started to think of things as like like you say like you don't want to be work like working all day and all night and stuff like I don't I don't want to be like working on client stuff from like 8 a.m until like 10 p.m or something but like I'll but also kind of like being busy for the whole day and um, I've just started to kind of think of like I'm, I'm just doing a lot of stuff and some of the stuff I get paid for and the stuff I get paid for I'm just gonna do it in you know good good sized chunks yeah. and not spend like the whole day doing that and I feel like that that kind of balances it out quite well. Like I, I don't mind like being in bed and then going like oh shit I've got an idea and I am kind of waking up and doing something. Yeah. Um, but, but like I won't I won't get like a client email while I'm in bed and wake up and do some client work.
0: That's exactly it. Yeah, nail on the head. That's that's what it what it is, isn't it? I mean, I um, you know the, like I said, I recently became a parent, and I, a good example of this is I went to um, you know a, a number of kind of classes and things like me and my missus did IVF. So we went, we went to, you know, uh, workshops around that. And, uh, you know, all these, these brand new life experiences that if you'd asked me when I was 20, I kind of would have gone, oh, fuck that, no chance, you know, (laughs) that's giving up. And, and, and you know, whereas now it's like, you know, that I was all in for that. And surprisingly, I started getting these ridiculous story ideas. I ended up writing a short story based within a breastfeeding workshop. And it's like, <laughs> that's an example of where this beautiful crossover happens and why you shouldn't eliminate yeah. just, you know, life. And yeah, yeah, the work-life balance, like you said there, you know, clients need to respect your time and everything else. But ideas come at all times from all kinds of experiences. And you, and you, yeah. you can't close the door on that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, you can't, you can't go and do, like, just everyday, like, normal normal life things like you say going to like ivf stuff and you can't you can't just go like i'm just going to shut off this this is like this is a life thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah and you can't and also i think it's bad to kind of put creativity and like the work hole on the other side mm-hmm. um so yeah like obviously like when you when you go in there you're not shutting yourself off from like thinking of anything but you're also not thinking like Oh man, if I write a story, this is like a work thing. So I've got like, yeah, you, know, you, you. It's hard. Like I think it's good not to categorize things like that. So you just you just sort of going about your day and you kind of think of stuff and you're like, oh, that would be a good thing to do. And whether you get paid or not for it, it doesn't doesn't really matter whether you do it or not. You know, you are yeah. just kind of doing it and it, like loads of that stuff leads to work anyway because it's it just gets you going and gets you kind of creating nice things and yeah. you don't know who the hell is going to pick stuff up or like see. Yeah. like passion projects, actually through,
0: you're uh, absolutely right all the sk- all the like you said about your writing in your book it's the the new skills you learn and suddenly think oh actually i quite enjoyed doing that and i wouldn't have found yeah. that out had i not just done it without an end goal
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah it's, it's nice to just kind of jump in at things like I, I think that's what i would say like anyone if anyone's interested in anything just do it and don't worry about like whether <laughs> whether it's cool or like other people find it interesting like yeah, just kind of do do stuff that you that you like, even if it's something you like when you was a kid. Um yeah, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, that's it. You should always have something cooking that's just for you. And it doesn't matter if anyone ever sees it, because that's where yeah. the good stuff comes from. Mm. So space travel—we have to go there a little bit. I mean, uh-huh. <laughs> I love the bit in your book where you talked about this dream of you know, and and, and you're right actually with all the Elon Musk stuff going on at the minute, the SpaceX and the it's uh, suddenly thinks you think, hang on a minute, maybe my lifetime this is this could be a thing.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I'm 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 definitely I'm definitely going to be able to go to the moon before I die. Mm. Like, <laughs> completely definitely. Um, I mean, I, like I also don't feel like I'm going to die very early either. Like when even like when i was at college when i was like in my kind of late teens and stuff i'd always kind of said i'm going to live to like definitely at least like 120 or so and i kind of revised that when i was a bit older to like probably like maybe 200ish maybe <laughs> and um now now i'm kind of crossing my fingers that i'll be able to put my brain into like some kind of computer and transfer <laughs> into that and like live forever i mean it's it's only just kind of it's only just sort of live in long enough so that you kind of get past kind of the curve of where like medicine and technology are going. Um I, I feel like if like it's quite I mean it seems like quite easy to live until like 80 or 90 now. And I feel like when I get to like 80 or 90, it'll definitely be quite easy to live until you're like 110 or 120. <laughs> and if I can just kind of keep going. Um, I think I read I read an article like years ago that said it was something like 2045 or 2050 mm. that kind of, that's the sort of the year they imagine that kind of immortality might come into play. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm trying to stay alive until then. So I'm staying at the moment wearing a mask and stuff and not like having contact with people too much. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we, we'd definitely be able to go to the moon in like 10 years, 10, 15 years. I'm like I'm not going to be too old to do it then, mm. um, so I've got like I've got that amount of time to kind of save up, whatever the hell amount of money it is. I imagine it will be kind of like flying on Concorde or something you know like sort of expensive yeah. but not something you couldn't do if you didn't really really want to do it
0: i think so yeah and i and i think now that you've made this statement and you've put the moon book out there there's i think there's grounds for a crowdfunder as well to make it happen i'd, I'd, I'd give them, <laughs> exactly I'd give 20, yeah i'd give 20 quid for that
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean like they're, they're doing you know they're doing trips in space already so like the moon's like not that far off, is it? No. You know, they want to make a colony there and stuff. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not hugely keen on like moving there. Um, it'd be quiet, I guess. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I
1: like I like, I like, I like, I like the Earth in terms of like living. Mm. They, they might change my mind. I quite, I quite like the idea of living on like a space station or something. But yeah, yeah, we'll, Actually, we'll see yeah. what happens.
0: I wrote a short story recently and it's called Space Fast. And it was about it was um it was basically it was kind of Elon Musk. Um he's going out there to colonize Mars. It's like five years down the line and it's and it's on and he's on the he's on the maiden voyage. And um and they get diverted it's ridiculous, but they get diverted to the moon after the first day, and he's furious and he doesn't know what's going on. And he gets. It turns out that Jeff Bezos owns the route from the the Earth to the Moon, and, he, and Tesla or whatever his, his company is has the, the Moon to the Mars. And he gets there, and all there is is this kind of space station and one guy who's a conductor. And it's the we are sorry to announce that the and it's like Virgin have bought that route while while they're in the air, and it's just delayed, delayed, delayed. <laughs> I
1: mean that's yeah, that sounds like something that might happen. <laughs> yeah it's, it's yeah it's quite quite weird though those two now that those two are, are like what like a hundred and something billion ahead of everyone else in the entire world um yeah it feels like they might just buy space yeah. split, it, <laughs> split it up between themselves as long <laughs> as they don't charge like too much for it i think it'll be kind of yeah. it'll be all right yeah <laughs> i'll save up the money
0: unbelievable well uh, I mean I don't think I ever actually said the book is it's a collection of your photography of the moon what what
1: was the time span yeah. that these these photographs were taken um not not huge because like the moon is far away and you need like quite expensive camera equipment to kind of see it properly mm. and I didn't have it like a long time ago so I think I think the oldest ones like th- three or four years ago mm. um yes yeah, so I I mean I've taken I bought I bought like more like long lenses and stuff recently um when i've had, like nice client work come through i've just gone like fuck it just spent it on like some massive kind of yeah. um space photography things and um yes yeah, so i took more recently and i was like oh man I, sh- I should make like a little book out of these so quite i quite enjoyed making the last book before and i was just like oh i've got a load of moon pictures and i quite like the moon so yeah let's make a book out of them um yeah. yeah and just and then sat there for like the next like six months or so kind of stalking the moon outside taking some more pictures for it <laughs> and it's been it seems like it's been quite well received is that the case um yeah I, I, in terms of like an indie book yeah i think it like uh, obviously you don't sell like loads and loads and loads of copies or anything when when you're kind of self-publishing mm. but uh yeah it's been it's, it's been been quite well received i think like people seem to like it um I played around with the packaging and stuff to make it like a bit more interesting rather than just being like a little, like a booklet sort of thing that you get in the post. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think people quite like it. Like, lots of people like the moon. There's a big range of people like sort of, <laughs> there's been like kind of like um, yeah, sort of science kind of people buying it and then like sort of hippies like, exactly. who like just people who like the moon in different ways? I think I've been buying it, that's been quite interesting, yeah. Like, we talked about earlier, it's just it's weird kind of there's absolutely no way of knowing who the hell is going to be interested in what you're making and who's mm. buying it. Um, yeah, like I had a similar thing, like, I made a print like years and years ago, which was um, I did a load of like custom numbers and I did like pi to like 800 decimal places or something like that. And um, that that was weirdly popular with like mathematicians. I mean, not not like weirdly popular, but I didn't think like mathematicians were going to be buying like art prints that I would make. So it's like quite bright and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just weird. It's weird to to like look at that.
0: Mm, that's really that's it's, again. It goes back to what we're saying, doesn't it? About this. Previous interest in something you spent time doing, and uh, yeah. you, you could. Some people might look at something in their own story and go, oh, "That didn't work out. That failed, or whatever." And it's like, no, no, no. It's just it's more life experience that'll fester in the subconscious, and at some point, will uh, we'll, yeah. you know, in, in what we do, will will come out somehow.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. You definitely kind of built. I know, like everyone says this, like, but you don't listen to people do you, when you're like younger. No, no one listens to anyone. No. But, you know, people say we. People say that, like, you know, you kind of whatever you do it kind of adds to like who you are later on you know people who are a bit older go like oh yeah I'm glad I made all these mistakes blah blah and you're like oh I don't want to make any mistakes that sounds very stupid and then when you get a little bit older yeah you kind of look back at things and like oh man yeah kind of yeah I went to college doing maths and stuff and like that didn't work out but like it kind of did work out because it added to things that you're interested in and kind of lets you, I mean, like it helps me do my taxes and things. Mm. Yeah. Things kind of work out in weird ways.
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, you said about the the retail thing earlier as well, which was, you know, about the the effect lockdowns had on it. Is it, is this something you'll you'll bear in mind moving forward? Uh, You know, I mean, I, you know, we talked about your kind of way of working and not putting too much on things and just creating, but I guess some part of you will, I suppose be aware now of, you know, external threats.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, um I guess it's hard, isn't it? Because like, it, like, what, what do you do? Like, you can't really spread yourself out over like a hundred different industries and stuff. But mm-hmm. um I guess, I guess, you know, I'll probably be a little bit more aware of like when, when I'm kind of tunneling into a certain thing. Um I, Like I say, I'm, I kind of, I don't really like that anyway. You kind of to get really bored. so it's kind of like I'll, I'll definitely think about it a bit more. And, yeah, just playing around with more things would be useful. I think it kind of prepares you for stuff. And if you see, like, a slowdown in things, I think it's not bad to kind of just go off at a tangent and kind of just do something completely different. Um, yeah, yeah. And I
0: mean, you seem to be, you know, in a lot of ways, it's similar to what I've been doing with the books. It's, it's almost you're doing these other things and it's not, you know, like you said about indie books. It's the same kind of thing, very, very moderate, very moderate sales yet keep a lion's share of the profit. So, you know, it's almost like it's almost turned out the same as Champagne and Wax Cranes, which was traditionally published, but with really shit royalties.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> numbers,
0: less royalties, lower numbers, better royalties. You know, but it's like I'll yeah. I change at some point. But then in doing that and in doing the podcast and doing these things for fun, it's almost like, OK, there's a few things I could kind of turn my hand to. It's not that I can suddenly go, I'm going to make my living from that now. It's not that, you know, they're not there. That's not why I have them going. Yet yeah, it, you know, it just gives you new skills and new directions, and 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 you know, it's. I was always a little bit scared in my early years that I was exclusively an editorial illustrator. I was worried yeah. that I've put all my eggs in this basket. I'm doing this thing that I love with a passion, and yet, should that go from underneath me through no fault of my own, I'm back knocking on the employment agency door and back in factories yeah. like that. And that was quite terrifying to me that to have gone that far in my career. That I think there's always been a part of me that's had that in mind when I do all these varied things too.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's, de- it's definitely good to kind of spread out and stuff. I think um, I think the thing to bear in mind is not not spreading out with like a view to making money. Yeah, um, you'll just end up like let's say like with your book and stuff. You kind of you spread out doing something you're really interested in, and it, it sort of turns back around on itself a little bit and kind of mm. attaches itself somewhere to like the main things that you're doing. Yep. Um, yeah, I think it it works out well like that, rather because I like it did do the same thing like years and years ago where I didn't have much work coming in kind of sit down and think like, what are the things I do to make money, da da, 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 da. And then you just end up not really being very interested in them and obviously not making any money out of them because you, you don't really care about yeah. them. Um, yeah, it's definitely good to like think of stuff you're interested in and just branch out. Like while while you're, especially, especially I think while you're doing well, Mm-hmm. In like your main thing is yeah. branch out and do something more interesting. And yeah, it just, it brings stuff in. It's just, it's nice. Nice to be able to make money out of like a, a few different things that you're just interested in.
0: I think you're absolutely right there about doing it while things are good, because often the logical thing to do is to kind of throw everything at this thing that's making you money. But then when that closes almost, or that momentum slows, which you never, you know, as, as we know it does, then yeah, you do find yourself in a, in a tough place. Whereas if you make good and invest a little bit of that money into something else, that's not too far beyond. Yeah. You, know, you can, you can build some nice stability so that you are a little more resilient. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I'm almost done here and it's been fantastic chatting to you. Um, I had to ask about the modern, uh, the modified man plasticine piece, which is oh yeah, <laughs> tremendous. I mean, you won the uh, illustration awards, world illustration award that year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, some commitment that piece tell us about the, the you know, the, the, the process there and 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 how that came about
1: um so that that was like an old an old kind of like an old friend of mine um who my girlfriend also knows um who I'm like met ages and ages ago I used to have a record shop like in the late 90s so I met him kind of through that and wasn't in touch with him for like ages until I met my girlfriend and found out that she was like singing in a band that he was playing keyboards in and um yeah there's two there's two of them that are doing it and i went around to have like a little chat and kind of meeting with them they had a load of uh wine that they've been tasting like one of them from like wed- kind of wedding tasting wine mm. i drank like way too much wine didn't i, I remember talking some crap about like there's a, there's a scene in like one of the superman movies where someone gets like sucked into a computer yeah and kind of wrapped around in wires and stuff And I kind of remember saying something about wanting to do something with circuit boards. Um, My girlfriend doesn't drink, so kind of remembered a bit more like what we were talking about. (laughs) And then luckily they just sort of told me, just kind of go off and do whatever you wanted. So I didn't have to do the weird idea that I thought of while I was drunk and just ended up kind of getting like a board and putting plasticine on it. And yeah, just sort of building it up. Very, very slowly and very annoyingly, like, <laughs> over like a period of like a month and a half or so, I think. Um seems very sticky. It's not like modelling clay. It's really, really horrible. So I was just like washing my hands constantly, um, getting annoyed. I wasn't actually going to make it as complicated as I did, but like you know, like, you start making something, there's gaps, and you're, like oh, I need to fill that gap, and then you're like, shit, there's more gaps over here, and just started kind of adding stuff to it. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think it ended up alright in the end. <laughs> it was it was long. It took like a long, long time, but and it was really annoying. But <laughs> I like the end result.
0: It's a brilliant piece, and actually, that and again, that story just goes to further illustrate what we were saying. You can't plan that. You can't you can prescribe that chain of events that led yeah. to the idea and that piece. And also to think of you know your style is very kind of very bold lines, very bright colours, two D kind of style, and yet I very much see the you in that in that plasticine piece they they for me they live together it's like if, as an art director I would I would I would bracket them strangely enough in the same way it's almost like a three-dimensional uh-huh. what you do is, it's got your stamp on it and I think that goes that that's again a great uh, endorsement of what you said about why you should just do these things and, uh, and enjoy them and, and who knows that yeah. some, you know you don't pick up some wonderful commission down the road to do just that
1: yeah. Yeah, cuz I think I think like this was this was pretty much a passion project because um like although I got paid for it like I didn't charge them like the amount of money that I would normally charge people for things um cuz they're like a little like a little record label like a little indie label and um yeah and I think because because I was I was kind of not I wouldn't say like a favor because because I was sort of doing it for cheap they kind of let me do whatever I felt like doing. And I think that's that's what kind of enables you to kind of have have like a, an idea in mind and then just, just fuck it and just not do that idea at all and just kind of go with whatever the hell you were thinking at the time. Um, it's definitely nice to be able to do that sort of stuff. Like if, if anyone out there is thinking of plasticine, just grab a load of plasticine and just block it down. It's yeah, just, yeah it's, just, it's just fun to be able to do stuff that maybe you wouldn't do. And then... Obviously, like you said, in the end, it kind of ended up in sort of a pile of kind of similar work, which I I wouldn't have thought at the start of doing it, I think.
0: Yeah, again, yeah, again, it's great. I've got very similar stories you know it's just I, I think it's another reason to not to tell people not to do free work because i find the same working with local indie bands who are respectful enough to put up be it a couple of hundred quid to cover my cost yeah. and in return just give me the creative license to to kind of act on this idea that i couldn't find a way to get into my commercial work you know, it's like, it's, and even, build, again, building your own things, your books, uh, you know, I did it with the podcast. I would commissioned a lady who had a studio opposite mine who was studying product design and had a full set up of 3D printing equipment. And it was the first time I'd seen 3D printing in, in person. And it just, something blew in my mind. And I, and I said, you've <laughs> got to collaborate somehow. So I commissioned a printer like my head and shoulders in 3D and then and then attacked it with my paints and inks. And it was just, you know, built a full set around it. And again, you know, no prior experience, no prior motivation to do that it just felt right and i did it and and again yeah. that, you know people look at it and go oh, but i can see how it lives with that so yeah.
1: you know the are right and way- it's so fun to do and like that sort of stuff like um if, if you took that idea to like a client they, they just go like oh you're you're not a photographer you're not a model builder like why why would we get you to do that kind of thing but obviously then if you if you're just doing it for yourself you can just do it you kind of learn on the job mm-hmm. and also like it's nice sometimes when you do something it doesn't it doesn't look like someone with like 20 years or experience did it. And you just got, you do it, you end up doing it in your style. You kind of mm-hmm. work around things. It's, it's, it's pleasant. Yeah. It's, and, then it's do, and then you can
0: lead the horse to water, can't you? Because then some, you know, then people do see it and go, okay, that's cool. I've seen, you know, I wouldn't have, like you said, I wouldn't have commissioned it, but yeah. I've seen it and it looks good. So now I will commission it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like like maybe your, your kind of take on things isn't what other people have been doing. And obviously, that's not what clients have been looking around at when they like browsing stuff. They browse like a load of works that's quite kind of quite similar and like very polished and stuff. And then obviously you'll you'll end up doing something like slightly different, and they'll go like, "Oh shit, actually, yeah, maybe we should have paid you to do that instead." It's like a like slight, slight, slightly like different, a bit more interesting than the stuff we were looking at.
0: Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Um, so what's going on? Is there anything anything new in the pipeline? Or are you just kind of riding out lockdown and-
1: um yeah, sort of riding out lockdown a little bit. I just I've been doing some stuff for ESPN. Um like they've got a basketball channel. They got I mean, they've got loads of stuff in the US, but they've got a basketball channel. So I've been doing some kind of like doodly stuff. Not like rotoscoping, but sort of like doodly things that kind of out like filters to go on some like adverts and things. Um don't have much else lined up at the moment. Like it says, yeah, lockdown is kind of weird. There's been, like, random bits of work coming every now and then. Mm. And just, yeah, like, otherwise have just been, like, using the time to, like, piss about and <laughs> do other stuff.
0: Yeah, well, I'm sure, you know, given everything we've talked about, I'm sure that'll pay off and we'll see that come to the fore.
1: Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs>
0: brilliant well I mean I think I've pretty much covered everything so I really appreciate your time Tim and uh, lastly where can people check out all your stuff
1: oh uh, um, timeasley.com or Instagram Tim easily I'm guessing Tim easily on all the things <laughs> <laughs> and they can grab the books from your website yep
0: thank you so much to Tim for sharing his fascinating story I hope you took a lot from that I think I think as long as these fees are around for universities, which let's face it, they are pretty obscene. And even if you don't consider them obscene, they're kind of unattainable for a lot of people, particularly people coming from, you know, working class backgrounds, such as myself. And this isn't a class thing. I think, however you look at the fees, it's a real shame that we have to pay that kind of level to to get our education. But more and more, I think people are really gonna think hard about whether it's worth it and whether there is an alternative path. And I I think of Tim Eastley's story very quickly when it comes to that, there's also, I mean, there are different times, but Doug Cheeseman, who was on episode 16, part one and two, Doug was my very first client and he was the art director, sorry, design director. Hang on, art editor, I should know that. At When Saturday Comes, football magazine. And Doug ghosted into his design career. It was back in the day when you could kind of just go and make work and hang out as a bit of an intern and he ended up getting his first job with When Saturday Comes that Way. And that's a good story too. I'll, th- I'll think on any more actually. And off the back of this episode, I will share a bunch of any other people I can think of who got into the industry through different ways, you know, other than the conventional path. Because I think it's really important that we know that this exists. So I hope you took that away from the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Head over to timmeasley.com for more, and you can get his wonderful book, The Moon. I have a copy on my studio shelf. It's something I pick up with a coffee and just flick through and look at the stunning images of the moon, especially if I need to think about something other than Earth and what's going on on it at the moment. <laughs> it's very therapeutic in that way, and there's some interesting stuff about the moon itself. So, you know, as a writer myself who took... The plunge into the indie market, the indie, indie publishing world with your moment and isolation watch last year. I'd love to see others turning their strange minds inside out on paper and screen in the same way, you know, with these quirky ideas. I think artist books are just beautiful things. So, you know, coming out of lockdown. On that note go and support your local indie bookshop grab a few bits from an independent artist i think of places like magma and mag culture and they need all the support they can get very sadly they've uh, had to close the magma in manchester which has been a mainstay of my whole time there i used to come across from university in preston over at uclan for a day out all built, all just built around going to magma and hanging out in there for an hour and looking at tom gold's comics and prints and other artist books and it was just a massive indulgence so like I said, little break, and then I'm going to be back with four more episodes. So in the meantime, dip into the 170 plus episode archive. Got some great guests lined up. I just need to get my arse in gear and arrange the chats. And then we will be on to it the next batch. In the meantime, stay safe, enjoy your gardens, enjoy your public spaces, get them beers on the go. Um, hopefully we'll keep moving in the right direction and we'll chat soon thank you again of course to the sponsors illustrationx.com the aoi.com get us your feedback at bent at bent allen pod nice one